0: From Miami Law, I'm Annette Ugez, and this is The Explainer.
1: The losers you care about most are the voters, because they don't have a realistic chance of electing a good candidate who has policy views that they would like to see implemented.
0: On Tuesday, the United States Supreme Court waded into the fray during arguments over the partisan manipulation of congressional districts or gerrymandering, Frances Hill's scholarship often focuses on the intersection of tax law, federal election law, and the Constitution. She is a highly thought-after commentator, has authored an amicus brief, and has been a signer on other briefs filed in the U.S. Supreme Court over campaign finance issues. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview.
2: Good morning, Francis. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Um, so, we're looking at gerrymandering. Can you put the problem of gerrymandering into context for our listeners? Who's harmed?
1: Well, gerrymandering is a long established process in which Partisan maps are drawn to create advantages when you divide a state into single member districts, for example, for purposes of congressional elections or state legislative elections. And it involves two processes, widely known as cracking and packing. Mm-hmm. You either take a clump of voters who all tend to see the world pretty much the same way and vote the same way, and you divide them in half. Mm-hmm. That's cracking, or you pack a lot of voters into a district with a few other voters to dilute the vote in particular ways, all of which is designed to produce districts that are very hard for even the worst candidates to lose. Mm -hmm. And that creates partisan advantage. So who are the losers? The losers you care about most are the voters because they don't have a realistic chance of electing a good candidate who has policy views that they would like to see implemented. So they can't contribute to a majority for climate policies or um, pro-gun or anti-gun policies or war or not war. In particular instances, their voice is silenced or muted, and that's the danger of gerrymandering. For political parties, the danger is that if you're doomed to lose for a decade or two decades um, or more, you get to be a weaker political party in that part of the country. And it's you don't invest in your candidates. You know their cause is hopeless. And that means that the voters don't have the same voice that other voters have. (laughs) Plus, it just makes it hard to vote and annoying and noxious. And it makes (laughs) you feel your country doesn't like you. The students at... um, Uh, North Carolina A&T University were going to be big enough to swing an election. Now, that's heady stuff for a group of students, and it makes them active voters, I would think, for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so the powers that be in North Carolina cut the university in two. And so students who'd lived in Dorme one year found themselves in a new congressional district and had to re-register, which in itself is a form of vote suppression Mm -hmm. on the individual level. And they couldn't go to the polls with their friends and they weren't... you know, a cohesive voting bloc now. And they just did it because they didn't want, I think, young people mm-hmm. and certainly not young people of color mm-hmm. um, to have this much influence in a congressional election. And that is the kind of thing that gives political parties a bad name. Very bad name.
2: Have Has gerrymandering always been around or is it something that grew out of... Some other historical context. No, people have been bad from the get
1: go. <laughs> um, we have nothing to, to see here. <laughs> we have to remember that, um, as a Tanzanian uh, farmer once said to me long ago when I was doing research there, "Watu ni watu," which is a little rural Swahili rendering of the expression, people are people. Mm. And they were people back in the 1790s and early 1800s too. And so gerrymandering got started in Massachusetts. They got kind of fond of odd shaped districts Mm -hmm. where they could pack and crack to their heart's content Uh Um, in the 1790s, 1800s. And um, They somehow associated this with a famous Massachusetts politician who had been a vice president, who had been a governor, Elbridge Gerry, and that's how it got the name gerrymandering. And then the cartoonists began to take these oddly shaped districts and sort of build them out a little more to make them look like salamanders. (laughs) just for the fun of it and so it was off to the races with the negative mm-hmm. view of trying to win elections by defining the district
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um I I take gerrymandering very seriously now I always took it seriously but now it's gotten to be a toxic factor in our politics because it's possible to use the wide array of data about each of us mm-hmm. and to do models of our behavior and figure out whom we're likely to support. And with modern computing, just any old laptop, which is now so powerful, Mm -hmm. that you could actually gerrymander a whole state with your laptop, and they do. And you just generate thousands, literally, of maps Mm -hmm. on your little laptop. And you um, begin to deprive people of the full value of their vote. Mm -hmm. In this um, process. And so the capacity to go down to the individual voter level and decide where that individual should vote Mm -hmm. seems to me like an intrusion on the right of voters to be able to cast a ballot and have it count in about the same proportion as everybody else's ballots. And that's just not true. Mm. Well, that brings us up
2: to the Supreme Court this week uh, that heard two gerrymandering cases, one favoring the Republicans and one the Democrats. So why these two cases? Were they
1: the worst of the worst? Well, they're both bad, but the Supreme Court is very leery of all voting rights cases, in fact. And it may be odd to say so for a court that installed a president in the 2000 election by just saying that we in Florida were too slow in counting our votes, and they were through now, and announced who was going to be president, Mm -hmm. which is quite dramatic, really, for a group of judges who generally have some view of abiding by law. Nevertheless, after this and the pushback they got from it... Mm -hmm. Um, their instinct that voting rights and political party issues and voting issues are all quite toxic and dangerous for the court as an institution. And so there is a long-running debate in the Supreme Court about whether they should hear these cases at all. Mm -hmm. And they try their best to make them go away, either on grounds of standing that the plaintiffs really aren't going to be hurt mm-hmm. or on just disability. Just disability means it's the kind of an issue that the court can hear rather than a political issue that Congress and the executive branch should decide. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the racial area the um, court has become involved to ensure that minority voters are not gerrymandered out of being able to elect people who share their views.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But in straight partisan gerrymandering cases, which is what the court has before it now, they have never decided a partisan gerrymandering case. They always find some reason why they can't decide. Mm -hmm. So, um, That's how these cases developed. Um, Gerrymandering cases are a set of cases that have almost automatic cert before the Supreme Court, not quite. Um, And so the Supreme Court can't just duck them Mm -hmm. as they can set their Calendar of cases, otherwise, by granting or denying um, a petition for certiorari. Um, And so these cases were kind of long, festering cases. Mm -hmm. The um, North Carolina case, um, which certainly is one of the worst of the worst, has been up and down the federal courts Mm -hmm. for a long time now. Um, The Maryland case. Less so, but they have taken to trying to pair cases in which the bad guys are the Republicans with a case where the bad guys are the Democrats, Mm -hmm. so as not to appear partisan, which is perfectly fine with Mm me. Um, And I think that they had come to the conclusion that something had to be done about North Carolina because the lower courts, the Court of Appeals, Mm -hmm. had written about this case as just the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm.
2: Good. Um, we. I know you and I spoke last summer. I don't remember why we were talking about it, but we were talking about several cases that were before the courts. Yes. Gerrymandering Gill versus
1: Whitford. Is that right? Yes, the Wisconsin case. It was thought that case might break through and become the first case that the Supreme Court, in fact, would decide, mm-hmm. issue an opinion. But it didn't. It, to its own delight, found it could disqualify the plaintiffs on grounds of standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they did, and the court um, then was saved of having to decide. And it was in that case that we got a memorable comment from Chief Justice John Roberts, which illustrates one of the long standing problems in this area of the law. The long standing problem is. What is the standard of knowing we've got a gerrymander, which is not really permissible, rather than just partisan people being partisan people? And that's okay because Mm -hmm. they want to win elections. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Gill versus Whitford had introduced the use of new high powered metrics generated. by computers. Um, And Chief Justice John Roberts looked at these metrics and he said, this is sociological gobbledygook. Well, Chief Justice John Roberts is not a man who just says things casually, Mm -hmm. nor is he a poorly educated man, nor is he really trying to be flamboyant. Mm -hmm. But you have to admit there's a certain ring to the phrase sociological (laughs) gobbledygook, and it was about a metric um, of the efficiency of the vote. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit um, convoluted. I think one could say, even for those of us who have a social science background and are quite fond of at least political science gobbledygook, sure. if not sociological gobbledygook. And that then um, was a sh- almost like a shot across the bow of the plaintiff's bar and reformers who would like to see the court agree on a standard of how they're going to determine whether there is a gerrymander before the court. Mm-hmm. And that would be justiciable, and the court would have to decide it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gill versus Whitford disappeared. Mm-hmm. But the um, North Carolina case, the Republicans gleefully said, well, I believe it's better for America to elect Republicans rather than Democrats, so I'm going to do what I think is best for the country and draw maps that elect more Republicans. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Democrats in Maryland, not to be outdone, had previously remarked, we're sick of having to vote for and be represented by Republicans. This is a sort of paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to draw maps that end this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it did. And so they created a Democratic uh, gerrymander, which they kind of intended to do. Mm-hmm. That case had originally been dismissed because the Supreme Court decided they had not stated their claim early enough and it, you know, much time had passed, tossed on a technicality. Well, yes, it's it's a way that, um, Courts will look at cases and say, are they ripe for determination, has too much time elapsed, you know, standing. Mm-hmm. Um, courts don't like to rush into cases. On the other hand, this concern about whether's, whether voters' votes are counted more or less equally in determining who gets elected and therefore who represents all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, has been going on since the 1960s, Baker versus Carr, the Mm -hmm. famous case that, in fact, Chief Justice Warren said was the most significant case in his time as Chief Justice. Mm -hmm. And the year after that, and the year after that, something like 125 voting rights cases were before the court. And they dealt with them all. Mm-hmm. It was a revolution. The idea of one person, one vote should mean something specific. And the other thing I think we have to remember is that while all of this is going on, we move around a lot in America. Mm-hmm. And we move around because we're a mobile society. We move around because we have the luxury of working in many different places. Sure. Um, And we move around just because we want to. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to say the way um, in, say, the 1940s people would say, oh, the Germans live over here, people whose ancestors were Germans, or the Catholics live over Mm -hmm. here and we'll just mess around at the margins a bit. Now, they're using huge data banks and powerful algorithms to figure out who we are Mm -hmm. and what this means. And how to draw the district so that it... Yes. And for people who don't understand what I'm talking about, I would say for women, if you get a catalog from um, Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus or anybody who wants to sell you goods, Mm -hmm. and the last few months, you have bought either blouses or handbags. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the content that features blouses or handbags because everyone tracks what we do everywhere now. And so that kind of use of databases is used in gerrymandering. Mm -hmm.
2: Pop-up ads for Democrats. Pop-up ads for
1: Democrats, Republicans, Republicans. What kind of advertising do we respond to? What kind of charities do we give to? Mm -hmm. Everything is a matter of a data uh, bank somewhere. Mm -hmm. And we no longer have control about any data about ourselves. So all of this is used from everyone from the places we like to shop to the candidates and parties who are shopping for our votes or, at le- or trying to nullify our vote, mm-hmm. like cancel us out, and saying to us, in effect, go to the polls, knock yourself out, stand there for over an hour. We don't care. We've gerrymandered your vote out of significance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listening to the arguments, was there any foreshadowing as to how they'll rule? I'm probably the worst person in the world to ask because I have never found oral arguments to reveal very much. Mm-hmm. Um, some justices seem just to like to play. Mm-hmm. Other justices like to lay down markers to show how broad-minded they are mm-hmm. um, or how erudite they are. Or sometimes they just like to say mischievous things like sociological gobbledygook <laughs> to the amazement of everyone. Uh-huh. Um But in all seriousness, I don't have much confidence in oral arguments of being highly predictive of outcomes, Mm -hmm. especially in this area, because I think the justices understand this is a problem. They understand that we as American voters think this is a problem. But it's very hard to agree on metrics Mm -hmm. to decide what constitutes a gerrymander. And they know that once they decide one case, There will be 100 or 200 or however many. We're going to have redistricting again in 2020 after the 2020 census. And the census is being litigated to just show you, I mean, how difficult things are. So I would personally be somewhat surprised if they decided very much in these cases but I am so frequently wrong about predicting the outcome of oh, the I court. Oh, I doubt you're
2: ever very um, wrong, Francis.
1: <laughs> I am. Um, that I don't think any views I may have would be worth anyone's listening to. On that note, um, what's the
2: perfect one person, one vote? How do we ever get back to that or
1: start that? We don't. Not and I don't think conventional solutions to gerrymandering and map drawing are going to do it. I think that we may vote move toward systems of voting that in some ways are pushback against the math and the algorithms algorithms of gerrymandering and use things like rank choice voting, mm-hmm. which I kind of would worry about, because that would allow for a lot of mischief, too. Mm -hmm. Can you Um, explain what ranked voting is? Well, we we vote by what's our first choice, what's our second choice, what's our third choice. Mm -hmm. And there are people who believe passionately that this allows for a result that more accurately reflects the representational preference of the voters. And it's being used in municipal elections in California. Now, where there is a lot of interest in voting reform, Mm -hmm. partially, I think, because they're such a large state Mm -hmm. and they see so many types of problems because they're so large, all within the borders of, you know, California. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I think we tend to be away a ways. But I also think it is vitally important to fight these gerrymanders. Now, this is going to sound counterintuitive, like a hopelessly romantic, lyrical voting reformer, to which I probably plead guilty, but I think I'm a hard headed, romantic, (laughs) lyrical election law reformer. I think if we don't fight the gerrymanders, both parties will just run amok Mm -hmm. and forget about us, the voters. And I believe in fighting every battle for decency, honesty, and representation in voting, just to serve notice to those who would represent us, that we have strong views on these topics, and we expect decent, honest, representatively honest elections. And if not, we're going to gather together with our million or two closest friends and litigate. Excellent. That's a very emphatic last
2: word. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us at The Explainer. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform and tell your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's show was brought to you by the Managing Compliance Across Borders program at Miami Law, June 26th through the 28th. The interactive executive level program is aimed at compliance, risk, and audit management counsel and executives from firms and corporations around the world. For more information, visit www.law.miami.edu backslash CLE.